and welcome back to AFL Bad Dummies, the only show that's still confused as to how Gold Coast is still in the eight. Oh my god, they're in the eight. And Fifth. Richmond isn't. Coast sixth. The reigning premiers are not in the eighth, and Gold Coast is in the top six. Can we still talking about Richmond like they're actually a good side? Like, don't get me wrong, they are, but it just depresses me every time we talk about the fact that they're a good side. True. Anyways, it's only round three, so it doesn't really matter. Alex, what was your highlight for the weekend? My highlight from the weekend was from Sunday afternoon, a game I did not think I was going to get any satisfaction out of whatsoever. But I tell you, when Tory Dixon chased down Connor McKenna, one of the fastest players in the game, Tory Dixon, a guy that has not played a game all season, used to be so talented, I really rated him in the past, clearly lost a bit of it since that premiership, um, to watch him just absolutely give everything for this side in his first game of the season and chase down one of the fastest players in the game, I loved it. And didn't he let Connor McKenna know that he got him as well? Yeah, it was a very good tackle. And, you know, that's what the Western Bulldogs have been lacking when you think about it. They've just been lacking a little bit of heart and a little bit of soul. Um... I am actually going to start my weekly highlight with an apology. Um, you and I last week both had a red-hot dig at uh, Brisbane, yep. and our tip wasn't actually the margin, but when Port Adelaide would be up by 50 points. Port Adelaide never got up by 50 points. Uh, I don't even think close. Port, they got up by not even 30 points. It was close to 30 points. Brisbane nearly won. They, Brisbane were one metre from winning this game, and I was on the edge of my seat. Alan Christensen snaps it from 25. you think he'd make the distance, and it was perfectly on line, but just marked on the goal line. Had they kicked that, I don't think Port would have kicked a goal in 50 seconds. Port didn't look like kicking a goal the entire quarter. No, they were really struggling. So, uh, sorry to Brisbane, uh, and thanks for being my weekly highlight. <laughs> yeah, we really let them down. Poor Brisbane. Um, are you ready for your first joke of the day? So, as we all know, Melbourne won on the weekend against uh, North Melbourne. The it, formidable North Melbourne side that we've come to know. Well, Melbourne knows them as formidable. They'd lost 17 times in a row against them, so it took them their 18th attempt to win. So, what better time than to start off with a list, Alex, <laughs> in things I could be successful at doing in less than 18 attempts. Okay, interesting. So, and I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this. Yep. Say I'm going to go to the gym and actually go. Eight, that's a lot of attempts. I but reckon, think I reckon, of all the people that they're like their New Year's resolutions. That should have been another option, actually doing your New Year's <laughs> resolution. I reckon if you have 18 years, eventually you'll probably go to the gym. Oh, but it's 18 attempts, not yeah, 18 but, years. But I reckon the thing that most people do is they go once a year in the New Year and then don't go back till the next New Year. Yeah. Do you reckon in 18 times they could go back a second time? Uh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's the real goal, isn't it? Uh, the second one, I could. I think if I had 18 goes, I could spell tonight correctly. <laughs> <laughs> now, for those who don't know, this is in uh, reference to the Collingwood banner on the weekend, which managed to spell tonight wrong. Now, I don't know how they actually make a banner, how many people are associated with it, but the fact that you spelt tonight wrong is beyond me. And they'd actually put the banner up and then they realised it and then they did a bit of DIY. But, like, it's too late. Everyone saw it. Muppets. Like, it was just perfect that it was Collingwood as well. If yeah, it was going to be any club, it had to be Collingwood. I don't know about you, but I reckon I could spell tonight correctly. I would hope that you'd be able to get it in less than 18 attempts. What else you got? Uh, defining the word the. If I gave you 18 attempts to define the word the, do you think you could do it? I, I have no idea. You've, you've broken me. How, how do you define the word the? What is it? I didn't look it up. <laughs> that would have been a relevant thing to do for this segment. No, but, but you're not going to do it now because you didn't do it. No, but the whole idea is that I haven't. Um, like, how could you define it in 18 no goes? Idea. I couldn't. Oh, maybe I could. I reckon it'd take about 18 goes for me to finally get it. 18 sounds appropriate. I wonder if that's uh, in relation to a certain statistic that we're looking at this week. I don't know. The next one is, if I had 18 goes at flirting with someone, <laughs> I reckon I could finally pull it off. 
No, I don't believe that one. That's <laughs> the, the first one here that I haven't believed. <laughs> and I've searched up the denoting one or more people or things already mentioned or assumed to be common knowledge. Yeah, I reckon I would have got that in 3,000 attempts. No, but I just don't think that's correct. That just doesn't sound right anyway. It's not a word that I commonly use. And that's my list for the week of things I could do in 18 attempts if I had a go at it. Seriously, though, Melbourne, like, how do you lose to North Melbourne 17 times in a row? I don't even know. That is a lot. It's not like they're a good side as well. No, over the last 12 years, North Melbourne hasn't been the best side in They've the world. They've been, eh, at times, and, like, pretty decent at other times, but anyway. Mostly, eh. I am starting my analysis this week with, who am I? Well, who are you? Well, <laughs> we're going to get to that. <laughs> um, I'm going to give you some bits of information and, you know, you can, you can chip in whenever you feel like it if you feel like you've worked out who I am. Are you ready? I'm a football club. I'm one and two so far this season. I distinctly have a lack of star players. Right. So no idea who I am. I have been embarrassed at Etihad by a side that will probably finish in the bottom four. You got any guesses so far? Hmm. No. No? Okay. Uh, my fans expect me to make finals this year and will probably be disappointed. <laughs> like, this has to be Western Bulldogs or St Kilda. That's, that's what you're feeling, right? Um, in the last two weeks, I have lacked intensity on the opposition, any tackling pressure, and also foot skills. Well, yeah, I mean, it has to be St Kilda, right? Yeah, it just has to be St Kilda. Because St Kilda um, lacked... For the record, St Kilda matches most of these. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's Essendon. <laughs> Occasionally, my foot skills make me look decent, but before that... They then go back to shit. Yeah, St. Kil- uh, Essendon, sorry. So, y- your final answer is Essendon? Yeah. I've got one more bit of information for you. Uh-oh. I am not St. Kilda. <laughs> <laughs> you knew, you absolutely knew I was going to be saying St. Kilda the entire time. No, it's Essendon. It is Essendon. And part of why I wanted to make this point is just to point out that a little bit of a double standard going on. Um, Essendon and St. Kilda, don't get me wrong, I think St. Kilda's a pretty very average side right now and I'm um, a little bit regretful that I'm supportive of them but how come Essendon after three very unimpressive weeks is still regarded as being a you know potential premiership challenger let alone going to make finals and meanwhile we are going to be scraping the bottom of the barrel because they beat Adelaide yeah but they then also lost to Western Bulldogs and Fremantle Firstly, I don't think Western Bulldogs will finish bottom four but that's another thing altogether I think there's a lot of uproar I don't think it's as well documented, but I tell you what, if I was an Essendon fan, I'd be pretty upset at the moment. You can't just beat a grand finalist and then go off and lose to two. Like, Fremantle's playing well, Western Bulldogs played well for a game, but I think Western Bulldogs played well because of Essendon being so poor, as opposed to the Bulldogs actually playing well. Yeah, I'd be upset. My point being is, I had Essendon missing the eight at the start of the season, and... After round one, I've regretted that decision already. I thought they were very impressive in round one. It's two weeks since then, and I'm very confident in my decision. Don't get me wrong, they're exactly what I thought they'd be. A side with enormous potential that looks good some weeks, and then every other week just goes back to looking ordinary. It'll be interesting to see how the season pans out for them, because they could very easily still finish in the top eight. We've seen the best of them. They could finish in the bottom six. Probably not, but like it, anything's possible at the moment after three rounds. We're only really guessing at this point. So well done. You got my first Who Am I? And that means it's time for my first joke segment. Now, this is this is going to be an interesting one. I've been, I've been very much looking forward to this one ever since I saw uh, Saturday afternoon when uh, Tim Taranto did a very special moment where he uh, marked the ball in the goal square, critical stage in the game, then decided to miss the ball completely. Um, that was interesting. Um, then there for the rest of the round, we saw Chris Marston on Sunday evening 
Uh, Mark Ball in the goal square, play on, and Tom Stewart smothered him and uh, ended up being a behind. Uh, Joe Danaher, Sunday afternoon as well. Mark's ball in the goal square, critical time, decides to handball it off to Josh Green. Not a good handball, doesn't kick the goal. So I thought that there are a lot of AFL players out there that clearly need a step-by-step guide on how to kick goals from the goal square. Now, here's the premise. You've just marked the ball in the goal square. Here are the do's and don'ts. Do. Go back and calmly kick the goal. Do not play on. Do. Go back and calmly kick the goal. Do not try and handball the ball. Now, should you be confused by any of these, like, bits of information? They are a bit iffy. Yeah, honestly. I mean, it, it could be slightly confusing. And, I mean, I understand that players of uh, lower intelligence might struggle. Um, but, you know, should you be confused by any of these, feel free to contact my grandma. I'm sure she could have handled any of these scenarios and would be more than helpful to give you advice. She's a very loving person. Ah. It's something in which we should be curating the skills of, making sure that the players are up to standard. What really needs to happen, though, this needs to start at grassroots. <laughs> we need to start making sure our young players know how to kick goals from the goal square, because if they don't, then who really does? Give them the right morals. Yeah, exactly. No, okay. always start at the grassroots. <laughs> <laughs> You're out. What do you got? So I'm going to go for Adelaide and St Kilda. Mm. So they got to play on Channel 7. Oh, I'm worried about where this is going. <laughs> Pause for effect. Like, yeah. I can't believe that they actually got to play on Saturday Night Footy. There was, I understand that Seven is mainly aiming for the Melbourne crowd, so they get the St Kilda team, but the other option was Sydney GWS, one of the best fixtures on the calendar. And I'm going to tell you why, but it shouldn't have been a Saturday night game anyway, Adelaide St Kilda. And I'm going to tell you why. Because St Kilda and Adelaide constantly serve up shit matches. Constantly. So they won by 49 points. That is below the average in their last nine encounters. Below <laughs> the average. That's so the good. last results have been Crows by 57, 88, 46, 86, 79, 40, 19. Sorry, that's only um, seven. But still, that is an average of 52 points, the difference between these two sides. That's so bad. 52 points an average. And this is St Kilda. This, like, over the last, well, so it's seven games, over the last probably six seasons, you guys haven't been the greatest side, but you haven't been the worst side in the world. And Adelaide has slowly been working their way up the ladder. And 52 points has been the average. So to be clear, we won none of those games. None of them. Oh, that's real rough. The one thing I will say in defense of the fixturing, you're absolutely right about the fact that it's always a terrible game, is that we very rarely get Saturday night games. We are almost exclusively a Sunday 110 team. Yeah, but that's because you serve up bad games when it matters. I don't like, doubt that. <laughs> there must be a game at some point, like when you play St Kilda Essendon, I'm sure that will be a much better game. Like the fact that that got Saturday night is like ridiculous and then Channel 7 decided to air it. And like St Kilda was playing all right for a while until they were only on 36 at three-quarter time. As my dad would like to say, St Kilda were playing all right for a while and then the game started. <laughs> <laughs> no, I preferred to say the game was over when the fixture came out. Anyways, St Kilda, up your game. AFL, scheduling, officers, whatever they are, up your game. Everyone, up your game. Except Adelaide. Except you Adelaide. <laughs> you were fine. <laughs> All right, um, after that very comedic bit of analysis, it's time for a joke from you. Yeah, you don't get to rest here, do you? Nah, it's two in a row. So I got to go to Hawthorne-Richmond on the weekend. Yep. It's actually an alright game. Um, Richmond won comfortably enough. Some big... I don't want to say fuck up because like we won't be able to say the F word next week, but it was <laughs> one of the biggest fuck ups I've ever seen at football. So we've brought the VAR in in the last few... Years, uh, I think you know what I'm going to talk I know, about I here. know the one, exactly the one you're talking about. Because I was watching it on the TV as it was happening, going, is this really happening? 
So the VAR has been brought in to, you know, make everything more accurate, you know, make everything better, essentially. It slows the game up a little, but it's all worth it in the end, right? Because yep. always the right decision comes out. Almost always. Okay, I'm just going to tell you all what happened. Essentially, there was a scrubble, scrubble, scramble, sc- scramble in the goal square, and uh, it went through for a rush behind off the defending player's foot. For some reason, they wanted to review this. And it's clearly come off either Nankervis's hand or Jack Gunston's foot. Yeah. Nankervis's foot was nowhere near it. But they decide to review it anyway. Now, I think the biggest thing we can learn from this is that we need a minimum requirement ATAR for whoever's <laughs> operating these machines. Because this he must think there's own goals a thing. And like, don't get me wrong, own goal would be kind of a cool rule to have in footy. But like Nankervis's foot was nowhere near this and somehow it's decided to be a goal. So I tell you, this is what they said in the commentary at the time, and I think it was exactly right. It was early in the second quarter. Jack Gunston is typically a forward. The guy has seen the ball come off Jack Gunston's foot, forgot which team he's actually deciding for, and has gone, oh, Jack Gunston kicked the goal then, therefore it's a goal. Okay. That's see, what I think happened, which see, is incredibly dumb and not an excuse, but that's what I think the logic was as to why this person saw something that was quite clearly a behind and thought it was a goal. See, being at the game, we got quite a different feel. <laughs> There was a lot of insults being thrown around in my area, and most of them I can't repeat on air, unfortunately. But I can tell you what, it just looked like... It didn't even look like he hit the wrong button because it took them like a minute after he'd hit the goal for them to actually overturn it. And you could see all the Hawthorne defenders were like, well, this is a joke. And they... (laughs) But it took that long that some of them actually went back to the centre circle and got ready for the bounce. But, like, it was just chaos. And it's just like... I mean, the goal umpire didn't need to review that at all. It's like it's clearly not gone anywhere near Nankervis's foot. The video referee clearly needs a higher ATAR. <laughs> the whole process is not working out the way that we wanted. I, th- I think in fairness, um, it's tough to take down the whole system based on one mistake. I think in general it's pretty good, although this was clearly a colossal stuff up. Yeah, my favourite part of it was the fact that the umpires who had seen the vision on the screen saw the fact that it had come off Gunston's foot. And so when it came back as the goal, they went... Yeah, no. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't a goal. You have to go change that. <laughs> what they should have done on the footage on the TV is like, you know how they can talk to the umpires like before a quarter? Just like yep. start talking with them and it's just like, how much of a fuck up is he? <laughs> Not the mistake is the guy. Do you know the guy personally? <laughs> Has he had some issues recently sort yep. of thing? Anyways. Is he going through a traumatic divorce at the moment? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is he missing someone called Karen? <laughs> I miss you, Karen. Karen. <laughs> Come back. And... Did you want to leave a message for Karen again? Oh, no, just wanted to say, Karen, if you're out there, call me back. <laughs> Anyways, I haven't heard from you in a while. That's my joke. Uh, that's a decent one. Um, so what, what is it my turn then for? Some analysis? Yep. Now, we always love a good comeback story, don't you? Yep. One of my favourite comeback stories this round was the return of the King himself, Nathan Five. Now, this man, at his best, is an absolute badass. Like, <laughs> I like that, that. That is the most appropriate term to use for him because he's big, tough, and just doesn't cop any shit whatsoever, Nathan Fife. He is the kind of midfielder that is not like Danger. Danger is fast, he's electric. You know, Tom Mitchell is skillful and slick. Joel Selwood is an absolute rough nut. Like, he's the guy that kind of puts his head over. Nathan Fife just runs his way through people. He's strong, skillful, and a complete badass. He takes contested marks. He does everything. Now, his Brownlow winning season, he was absolutely deserved. That famed game when they put um, him head-to-head with Dangerfield was incredible. And for the first time since 
that Brownlow winning year when he played on one leg in the preliminary final, literally with a broken leg, and still was one of the best players in the field, I thought, Fife is back. I thought, genuinely, this is the player that won that Brownlow. So just run you through some of the stats. In that season where he won the, won the Brownlow, he averaged 29 disposals, four tackles, 18 contested possessions, nine clearances, and a goal a week, right? Oh, my God. So that's good stats without being crazy stats. On the weekend, just on the weekend alone, he had 38 disposals, eight tackles, 24 contested possessions, 14 clearances, and kicked a goal. The man is back better than ever. Watch him set to dominate the season. Do you think he's going to win the Brownlow then? I'm not sure about that, but... Is that because of Fremantle more than him? Yeah. If Fremantle finish in the top 12, he's got a decent shot. If Fremantle finish in the bottom four, he... he it's just too much of an uphill task. Yeah. He looks like the next best challenger to your Dusties and Dangerfields. Of, of the, of the I think the elite three right now, which are Dusty, Dangerfield, Tom Mitchell, the three that stand out for everyone else, he's the, the one that I'm genuinely looking at and going, he could really give him a scare. Because he was by, by a country mile the best player on the field on the weekend in that very boring Fremantle Gold Coast game. Yep. Except Michael Walters, I rate him as well. But besides that, Nathan Fife, absolute gun. That's my point. In and out. Um, it's now time for my joke, right? Yep. Now, you would have witnessed uh, Lance Franklin's very fantastic goal from 65 metres on the weekend. Yep. To seal the game for Sydney in a pivotal moment. It's a classic buddy, right? He's outside 60, the game is in his hands, and he slots it. Now, one line in the commentary actually stood out for me. And this was um, Anthony Hudson, big fan of his work. Um, he used the words, the greatest showman. Now, I don't know if you heard, but there was a movie that came out a few months ago called The Greatest Showman. Yeah. Now, this was a musical about a man who was known as The Greatest Showman. Now, I thought, what if they'd actually made that movie about the real Greatest Showman, Lance Franklin? Yeah. So, I'm going to give you an idea of some of the potential songs that we could have as options should they decide to make The Greatest Showman, the movie, about Lance Franklin. Now, first of all, Defying Gravity. What, what a great song for him. It's just about the fact that how his <laughs> kicks from 60 metres, they never seem to come down. I don't know how they make the distance. They defy gravity. They so, go into orbit. Yeah, it's classic him. Um, this one, this one's a pretty obvious one, but I very like it. Uh, the semicircle of strife. And that's what happens for the defenders every time um, Every time Buddy gets the ball inside 50. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I figured, I figured that was quite an obvious one. I got a couple more that I'm happy with. Now, you may, you may have heard of Les Mis. Um, they have a very famous song in that, One Day More. I'm thinking of a different version of that. This would be um, Buddy's when he's already kicked 12, and he's just thinking, one, one goal, goal more. more. Yeah, <laughs> and he's, he's aiming for 13. I was very, very happy with that one. Um, and my final one, you know how um, a lot of musicals have their, their finale song, you know, Buddy's just won the premiership in 2022 in his last year of contract with Sydney. Um, this is the end of the story of The Greatest Showman. And then over the years, we get a montage of his entire career. And it's just uh, set to the song of Seasons of Bud. Seasons of Bud. Seasons of Bud. It, it'd be great. Um, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to I thought to you it. were going to do This Is Me. Well, I mean, that, that too. I thought it was just too obvious. I thought Seasons of Bud's much much better joke. It's a very on-the-nose musical joke for those that know musicals. Yeah. But um, it also just Seasons of Bud. Like, it's, you get I to would, watch Buddy throughout the years. I would listen to that. It'd I'd, be a great soundtrack, wouldn't it? Yeah. I'd, I'd, be, I'd buy like, the album. Yeah, definitely. They made uh, Shane Warne the musical. Now I'm waiting for The Greatest Showman. Did they actually make Shane Warne the musical? Yeah, they made Shane Warne the musical. <laughs> oh my God. I'm not going to that. No, neither am I. <laughs> Is um, Advanced Laser Hair <laughs> Studio going to turn up in there somewhere? <laughs> Pretty sure we're not allowed to put references on, but yeah. <laughs> um, time for your analysis. So, I'm going to go back to that Western Bulldogs-Essendon game that you were speaking of before Mm -hmm. and just detail you how bad Essendon were. Like, and I've only got two stats here. Okay. That's all I needed. Interesting. So, there is two aspects to footy, contested and uncontested. (laughs) 
<laughs> I, I, first of all, can are you are you is one of your stats going to be about the the mark differential in this game? Yep. Okay, good because I'm I'm glad glad somebody mentions that because I saw, heard that and honestly went really is that actually true? Okay, so there's two aspects to the game now. Essendon kind of halved the contested part of the game. The contested marks were equal and the contested possessions were pretty close, if not slightly in favour of the Bulldogs. Yep. But it was nothing like staggering that was match losing, right? I'm going to tell you the difference in uncontested possessions. Actually, I'm going to give you a guess. How many more uncontested possessions do you think the Bulldogs had? 60. Higher. 80. Higher. 100? Slightly higher. 104. 101 was the difference in uncontested possessions. For the record, if you win that by, like, 30... You that's a, win a game. <laughs> that's, that's a blowout. Yeah. In terms of uncontested possessions. 100. At one point, it was 224 to 124 uncontested possessions. That's crazy. That is beyond belief. And then, in the end, the uncontested marks was 140 to 68. That was that was the one that uh, that I heard in particular. The fact that um, Essendon had a hundred, uh, so the Bulldogs had hundred and forty uncontested marks in a match. That's unheard of. That's Hawthorne in the two thousand and fourteen era. Crazy. Yeah. Like that's and, massive. But numbers. that's exactly what the Bulldogs needed. They needed to just get some control of the game. Yeah. Because they've had no control in the last couple of games. They just butchered the ball completely. And Essendon gave them what they wanted. And John Worsfield talked on the off season about. Essendon getting a better defence and that that was going to be the big step for them this year. They're worse than ever. They're only conceding like an extra, extra seven points per game. But the fact that you gave someone 140 uncontested possessions and you gave them an extra 101 uncontested possessions in a game, it's unbelievable. You can't do that. You're not going to win a game of footy if you can't touch the ball. That's it's- far too easy and it, like something needs to be done at Essendon because that's... So poor. The addition of Saad was supposed to help, and he's been... And and then, besides that, I'm, I'd, I'd give you only real A grader they have in defence is Hurley. Um, they've got a bunch of OK players, McGrath and a few others, but um, they could really use Kale in defence right now, couldn't they? Yeah. I mean, it's not just their defence. Their midfield has to work harder to stop all these uncontested possessions as well. Because yep. obviously you're less likely to get an uncontested possession in the forward line. So it's a lot about their forward line and their midfield um, having to actually stay on your man, not give them a couple of metres. And I think that's probably where the problem lies, is that a couple of those midfielders, uh, Devin Smith, Dyson Heppel sometimes, um, and Zach Merritt, they're not the most defensively accountable midfielders. That's probably where they're having a bit of an issue. I'm actually going to use that as a jumping off point because I very much agree with you and talk about my surprise for this week, which is actually going to be talking about one of the best, if not the best, defensive midfielders in the game and a player that gets absolutely no credit because he can do literally everything and it's very well. And so I'm going to pose you a question. You can tell me whether or not you think it's correct. Stephen Caniglio is the most underrated player in the competition. Not anymore, but he was at the start of the year. I think he's getting credit at the moment as the best midfielder on that GWS. Well, if not the best, the most important midfielder on that GWS lineup. I don't think he's the most underrated player as of now. Three weeks ago, I would have agreed with you. My thing with him is the fact that when you're constructing the ideal midfield, right? You know, you want your Dangerfields and your, your Martins and all those kind of players are going to do all the damage. But as Geelong proved week in, week out over the last three weeks, you can have the best three midfielders in the competition, put them in the same midfield. If there's no balance, it doesn't work, Right. And so, I think, ideally, the best midfield you could have right now in the league for a starting contest would be Dustin Martin. He's the best offensive player right now in the league, right, from a midfield position. Secondly, Tom Mitchell. He's the best inside player in the competition. And thirdly, Stephen Coniglio, because he's the best defensive midfielder that's also going to contribute 
and an attacking threat. So we know that he's excellent at being a cannibal, right? We've talked about that over the last few years. But have a listen to some of his offensive stats on the weekend. Aside from his fantastic defensive game, he's had 29 disposals, 6 tackles, 5 clearances, and kicked 2 goals. He's uh, kicked a lot of goals this year he's as well. Kicked, oh, sorry, sorry. Hang on, wait. My apologies. That wasn't this weekend's game. That's what he's been averaging this season. This season, he's been averaging 29 possessions, 6 tackles, 5 clearances, 2 goals. He's kicked 6 goals in 3 weeks. Oh, wow. The man is the most underrated player in the competition because people will always choose to look at the fact that he's got either strong offensive strengths or strong defensive strengths and not the fact that this man is the complete package. Like, go and ask any midfield, uh, go and ask any coach in the competition what Stephen Coniglio doesn't bring to the table. Because I think he's the most underrated competition because I think we should start talking about him in that bracket. I talk about how Tom Mitchell was the best midfielder in the comp, in my opinion, last week. I think uh, Stephen Coniglio needs to start being talked about as up there because... I love Tom Mitchell, I love Dustin Martin, I love Patrick Dangerfield. None of them are close to the defensive game of Stephen Coniglio. He's the kind of guy that you'd send to Dustin Martin, keep him to 30 possessions and have 30 possessions of his own. And if you can take from a one-on-one contest in the midfield, somebody to break even with Dustin Martin over the course of the game, you've won that contest. And that's what I think makes Stephen Coniglio so special. Fair enough. That, that is my surprise for the week. I like it. Thank you. I wouldn't put him quite in that bracket yet because we're just only three games into the season. Don't get me wrong, he's a good midfielder for a long time, but only a good one. What he's doing at the moment is great. Don't get me wrong. And if he can sustain it for the rest of the season, he'll be right up there in Brownlow contention on a team where he's competing with your Josh Kellys, your Shields, your Wards, your Whitfields, all those good names right there, and Cameron and Patton. Yeah, I I think he's... It was the point I made about um, Mitchell last week in that um, he's always been a very good defensive midfielder. And I said the same thing about Mitchell last week. Mitchell was, has always been a very good inside midfielder, but they've added aspects to their game this season that have seen them rise to the top of the charts. Go from being very good to being truly some of the best. Yeah, and closing the gap to those players at the top we were talking about before. That's my surprise week. Very confident in it. Your turn. Okay. Gary Ablett got injured again. Now, don't get me wrong. I think he's one of the best players of the modern era, but can we throw him in the great... Like, people have put him in the same bracket as some of the greatest players of all time, and understandably why. Nothing lies about you look at his resume as such from football, and it is amazing. But over the last three years, before this year, he's played 34 out of 66 games, and he's a set for another stint on the um, sidelines. He got another niggle in the JLT as well. Like, he is so injury-prone. I don't know how many more games he's going to play. Is his legacy going to be the same? Yes, is yes. my answer, but, you know, keep, keep talking. I think he is one of the greatest players of the modern era, but I don't think you can put someone in the same bracket as some of the best players of all time if they just can't, if they're not durable. You can't claim he's one of the best players if he's not on the field. And those 300 games that he was on the field for, they don't count, do they? Yeah, but he could have played 400 games almost. But is, is the best player of all time a contest of who can play the most games? No, but you have to have some sort of durability about you. And he had the durability when he's younger, but he's not even too old now. I believe he's 31, 32. So, okay, let's let's look at that argument for a second then. Um, who are the people that you would put him up against from this generation? I'm going to assume Franklin, Judd, those yep. kind of players. So Buddy's played a lot of games. Chris Judd, for instance, he also struggled with a lot of injuries. In fact, he never even got to 300 games. Does that mean that he's ineligible? I don't know because he missed a lot of games. Over eight years that he played at Carlton, he played 90 games. Well, that whole idea of him going to Carlton, he's not remembered for that as such. Did it hurt he his He went at Brownlow there. 
Yeah, but did it, do you think him going to Carlton hurt his career as such? Yeah, but I think it was less about the injuries and more the fact that the team sucked. Gold Coast sucked. Yeah, I, I, don't, don't get me wrong. I, I think for a few years when he was still at the absolute peak of his game, Gary Ablett showed that he could be the best player on any team. And arguably, that's the ultimate proof of it all. Because, you know, Josh Kelly can be a fantastic player on a fantastic team. And that's all well and good, and I'm very excited for him. But if you're the best player on the field on a team where the rest of them are terrible, that just makes it all the more impressive. So he did that. He went to Gold Coast and still averaged 35 disposals a season. He won a Brownlow at the worst team in the league. That's something. Like, that, that is genuinely impressive. And yes, you're right. We haven't got anywhere near as much as we would have liked to see out of him over the last four years. And I'm not as happy about that as I would like to be. And yeah, you're right. It will probably hurt his legacy from the sense that we haven't seen him do that more regularly than we'd like to be. But those games that he still played, I mean, we think about it. Last year, he was leading the Brownlow medal count until he got injured. Like, that's the simple fact of it, is it's not like he's turning in average performances. Um, if, if he was, you know, not playing very well and injuries were hampering him, then I think he got a legitimate case. But because I think he's still a gun and he's still been one of the best players for Geelong over the first few weeks of this season, I think he'll survive the injury scares. But, you know, we'll see whether or not he gets back. This Honestly, this could be the end of him. We don't know yet. I, I, I hope How not. How long's his contract at Geelong? I believe it's a two-year contract. I do agree, by the way. I do think he's going to go down as one of the greats, but it's going to be interesting where he goes from here um, because, like, God knows, he, he's been destroyed by injury and it's hamstring, it's shoulder. It's a lot of parts of his body that aren't holding up as well from playing, as we said, 300 games of football. It'll be interesting to see... His future. I think the in terms of seeing him get back this season, the fact that it's this hamstring and not re-injuring that shoulder is a very good sign. Yeah. Had it been that shoulder, I would have probably said that he was done here and now. Instead, I'm only questioning whether or not he's done. That wraps us up for our penalty shootout this week. Um, we've had a pretty interesting one. Some some interesting stats here and there. Some ambitious jokes, some of which worked, some of which didn't. I'm more than willing to agree with that. <laughs> right, let's go back and have a review and decide who won in our scoreboard this week. So my first list was things I could be successful at in doing in under 30, 18 attempts. And my first piece of analysis was my who am I, which you solved very quickly. And that's a result of which I'm willing to give the first point to yep. your list. Yep. <laughs> glad, we, glad we agree on that. One nil to you. Um, my first joke was... The step-by-step guide of how to kick a goal from the goal square? Yeah, mine was the Adelaide St Kilda scheduling stupidity, which I liked, but not as much as I liked yours. Yeah, I was. I thought it was something that needed to be said, this. <laughs> I know, it's, <laughs> but it's weird because like, you see it happen, you're just like, oh, you, but you don't really think of it like it's actually a million times simple and here's your simple do's and yep. don'ts. and. The do's stay pretty much the same. Go oh, back they, and they, they were actually repetitive. Yeah. Um, but they were the same do twice, which is... Go back and calmly kick the goal. <laughs> uh, so I was very confident in that one. Your next joke was... Actually, you would know a lot about that as a uh, St Kilda fan, wouldn't you? Slotting it from the goal square. Ouch. Hit him where it hurts. Cue back Nick Rewalt and Heath Shaw, in case you haven't figured that, that out. That was actually happy to Chris Marston this week. That was so funny. Um, your next joke was... My next joke was about the um, VAR. Oh, yeah. I did I did enjoy that. The, uh, there wasn't really a punchline. I would have liked that in my the analysis. My punchline was more that ATAR part. Yes, I did like the analysis. It goes against my analysis as Nathan Fife being back. Which one did you think this one? Because I'm pretty... Yeah. I, I'm pretty uh, on both of them. I think VAR. I'm, I'm willing to give it to you, but I, I, think it's a, I think it's a weak win. Yeah, it's a pretty weak <laughs> win. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, and my final joke was uh, The Greatest Showman, Buddy Franklin, the musical... I was, I was very confident in that one. Yeah, I did like my um, defense one. 
uh, about the bombers giving oh, up yes, so much uncontested, uncontested, which is beyond ridiculous. It's it's good analysis, but the problem with this show is that good good jokes always beat good analysis. Yeah, it's like good <laughs> offense beats good defense. Yeah, that's the reality. That actually of it is almost exactly it, because the joke goes first every time. Yeah. Um. So with that, it's two all going into the surprise. Stephen Coniglio versus Gary Ablett. Who won? I don't know on this one. Honest opinion, you're not sure? Well, yours was more about you speaking, whereas mine was more about hearing your opinion and seeming like I didn't agree with it, but really agreeing with it. I think yours was more of a discussion point more than an argument. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's difficult to frame because mine was a, this is my opinion, people should accept it. <laughs> I think the Canelio arguments are a little late to be one of the more underrated players in saying that you needed some... Okay, so the, the point I'm arguing for underrated, I'm happy to give you the point anyway, but the point I'm trying to argue for underrated is the fact that I think he's right now regarded as like an A-minus midfielder, and I genuinely think he's an A-plus midfielder. Gary Ablett's an A-plus-plus. <laughs> Gary Ablett's... Oh, see, that's, that's the problem with your argument, is I think Gary Ablett's the greatest player of our generation and arguably the greatest player of all time. Arguably the greatest player of all arguably. time? Okay. See, that, that's my point, is that you can't take that much away from him. He's the little master. He's not as quick as he used to be, though. It is funny watching him sprint and then get chased down, it, and he's is, like, oh. He is 35, though. It's not like he's, like, 28 and struggling. Like, no. most players would have retired by now. Most champions would have retired by now. Yeah. Am I taking the point on that one? Oh, I, look. I'm torn. Are we? Can we do draws? Can we do draws? Oh, are you happy to have our first draw? Yeah. Okay, so we call it two all. To all. Well, Port, um, that's that's the best result you've had this season, so you're building. Yeah, well, I am actually building because, what, it was 4-1, 3-2, 2-2. By simple trends, I should win 3-2 next week. I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> Hopefully I can bounce back and get another win in the books. Um, it's time for our tipping. Oh, the favourite part of our week. Uh, I think we're just going to fly through these this week because this is not a very interesting round of footy coming up. Adelaide Collingwood on Friday night in Adelaide. Uh, when's Adelaide going to be up by 50 points? <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was exactly going to say that. We failed it with Should this segment last week. Should we do this once a week? Yeah. I, we I pick think... our one game where we're going to go, and there's probably better games for it this round, but just because Collingwood's a lull. Okay, no, I think I think we each take the opportunity to pick our game for the week. I would honestly pick this game for me. Yeah, same. Um, I think Adelaide will be up by 50 points 10 minutes into the second quarter. 10 minutes? 10 minutes into the second I'm gonna quarter. I'm going to go uh, as in like 10 minutes um, playing time or... Either. It's not that much of a difference. Five minutes to go in the second quarter, they'll be up by 50. Okay. I think Collingwood were, were okay last week, which means it's about time that they crash back down to earth. Yep. Do you know what I want to see in this game, though? What? The Adelaide banner making fun of the Collingwood oh, banner from last year. they um, deliberately spelled, like, tonight wrong on the banner yep, or something. Yeah, that's what I want. Oh, that'd be so funny. Did you see the St Kilda banner on the weekend? Yes. It was very good. <laughs> I very enjoyed very... it. Uh, GWS v Fremantle over at the University of New South Wales Stadium. Giants? Giants, yeah, definitely Giants by 23. Don't really need to talk about that game too much, I'm sure. Fremantle beat them, um, I can't remember whether or not it was in Sydney, but definitely away last season. So I reckon they might give them a good scare, but I still say Giants by 8-ish. Richmond v Brisbane at the G, and I'm sure the game that everyone is looking forward to this week. Yeah, but Richmond isn't a team to blow someone out, so it doesn't make sense to do the 50-point thing for this. Richmond are just going to win. I mean, we could be without Rance and Asprey this week, but like, there's nothing venomous in that Brisbane forward line, so Richmond by 42. Yeah, this is a vintage Richmond by 45 game. It's the kind of game where Brisbane will never look in it, but they'll never smash the shit out of them. Yeah. Bulldogs v Sydney for the um, Twilight game on Saturday afternoon at Etihad. This is going to be a good game for the Bulldogs because if they can back up their performance and beat Sydney, I start giving them a bit of credit. But if Sydney just comes out here and wins by 90 points, like, dude, it's just like... No, I'm not taking any more Bulldogs love anymore. 
This is a genuine anywhere on the spectrum game, this one for me. I have no idea what's going to happen. I think Sydney comes in and belts them. Sydney by 57. Yeah, no, nah, I'm not feeling it. I think you might be right, but I'm, I'm going to say Sydney narrowly in a tough one. I'll say Sydney by 11. North Melbourne Carlton in just a game that everyone should get excited for this weekend. Oh, my God. Do you know what just occurred to me? What? Because this is the game with the two Melbourne teams. Channel 7 will be doing this game on Saturday night. Yeah, who wouldn't want to watch North Melbourne and Carlton? The two sides I'd actually the best... prefer to watch Adelaide and St Kilda. So would I, to be honest. Yeah, but that's because St Kilda... No, you should want to see it less because <laughs> St Kilda's in it. Um, Carlton have been the worst side for me all season. Um, so I will tip North Melbourne by... It's down in points. Tasmania, I think. Is BA. It? God, a Saturday night game in Tasmania. That cannot go well. Oh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. I stand by it. North Melbourne by 27. North Melbourne by 13. Fair enough. West Coast v Gold Coast. Don't really know how good these two sides are yet. No. And uh, Gold Coast is playing away at Perth this week as opposed to last week where they were playing home at Perth. Yes. Very interesting combination they've gone over the last two weeks. Yeah. Well, I guess the advantage is like, they don't really have to travel. No. <laughs> they just well, stay they've there. they've done actually a lot of travelling over the last couple of weeks because Metricon's um, for the Commonwealth Games. So they've gone from, I believe, Melbourne to Adelaide to West Coast in the last couple of weeks. Well, th- at least they're staying in Perth this week. I'm assuming they didn't leave. Yeah, that would be pretty dumb. Yeah. Um, do you reckon they'll win this game? No, imagine if you're going on the plane and like the flight attendants are saying, see you, and like, we'll be back. We're back tomorrow. <laughs> West Coast are going to win this by 44. Yeah, probably. Two top eight sides going head-to-head in this game. Ugh, didn't see that one coming. West Coast by 30. I don't yeah. know. I'm not really looking forward to that one either. Essendon v Port Adelaide, the early game on Sunday. This could be interesting, but most likely not. <laughs> I, feel... I love your I love your ability to analyse. It's just really uncomparable. Yeah, look, I just I rate Port Adelaide. They're the real deal. Port by thirty four. I'm 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 gonna take your argument and say Port will win this game, but probably not. And say Essendon by twenty three points. Ooh. Essendon only beats hard teams. True. But I rate Port, unfortunately, which means. Essendon will win this game. <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm choosing to back up some of your logic. Now, the only game I'm genuinely excited about this entire weekend, Hawthorne-Melbourne on Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon. This will be a cracking game. This will be a perfect barometer game for both sides because Hawthorne beat Geelong, lost to Richmond. Fair, fair enough. Melbourne hasn't really done anything useful this year. They lost to Geelong in a game they should have won uh, and then they've beaten Brisbane and North Melbourne. So, like, I don't know where either side's at. I'm going to go with Hawthorne, though. I'm fairly confident that the end of this game will be exactly where the position we were at before, is that both of these are good sides. And that will be the end of that sentence. I will say Melbourne by 11 points. Question, were you going to go for Hawthorne and then I went for Hawthorne? No, no, I, I think Hawthorne have won two games this season and, and have really That's proven... all they're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> two out of their first three and already proven that they're a decent side. I don't think they need to win this game to prove that they're good. They pushed Richmond last week, and if no, they, they push Melbourne, go within 11 points. Uh, Richmond were up by 40. Anyways, that's a side note. Um, if they push Melbourne again this week, they'll continue to prove that they're a decent side, so I'll say Melbourne by 11. Final yeah, game of the round yeah. over at GMHBA Stadium. It just rolls off the tongue. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> Geelong St Kilda. Oh, no. Oh, no. This, this is like danger with a capital D. This would be the second game I'd be looking at for uh, 50 points up. I'd be licking my lips if I was Patrick Dangerfield in this game. Yeah. <laughs> Just look at Nathan Brown in the goal screen and go, oh, yeah, I reckon I, reckon I could take him. Yes, yeah, so I'm feeling pretty good here. Yeah. Do you have the guts to tip St Kilda? No. <laughs> Geelong by 55. I reckon they'll smash us. I'm looking forward to the one game when you're like, 
yes, St Kilda will win this, and you just get blown out by like whatever team you think St Kilda's going to beat. Well, uh, that was the North Melbourne. It's already happened. <laughs> oh, true. On a not so good Friday. Yeah. Um, Geelong by eighty-seven. Out. Geelong <laughs> needs to win this. That's the other thing is Geelong are one and two, having lost two games narrowly. They need a win in this game. Which first game at home as well. Yeah, they need to make a statement, which is why they're going to smash us. So not too many different from us this week. I think there's only the two points of difference. Yeah. yeah. Um. So you know, you you won the tips last week. Curious to see if you can help claw back your margin this week. And with that, we are out for this week. It's been another episode of AFL by Dummies. We should be back on radio hopefully next week. So. Look forward to that. I'm very excited about it. Aren't you, Lachlan Ross? Yeah, it should be awesome, um, except for the fact that we're on radio. Yeah, there's the obvious detrimental aspect of that. Yeah. Thanks to everyone who's listened. Um, Yeah, we'll be back next week on radio. I should be getting the Facebook page up again this week, so if you want to find out when we're on radio, um, where we're on radio, I'll post all of that there. Just like us on Facebook. It's AFL by Dummies. Thank you very much for listening. My name's Alex Henry. I'm Chuck. Goodbye.